You didn't ask this, but I do want to throw this in. I think it's also really important for us to know how to end well. Also, like if we find that this isn't a person that I think I could see myself being with, like how do I end this relationship in a way that is not harmful to them, uh, but also, you know, very clear where I'm not being disingenuous. Well, hey, Woodside friends and family, welcome to another episode of The Link. I am your host, Chris Brooks. I'm just kidding. I'm not Chris Brooks. We get confused a lot. I know. We look a lot alike, but he is here. Don't worry. Um, And we are starting a conversation uh, that we actually began back in the fall about what I wish I knew when I was in my 20s. So I have the honor of hosting. My name is Shanna Craig, and I serve here at the Troy campus as one of the directors of our student ministry. It's awesome, and we have a lot of fun. Um, And so I'm excited to actually continue this conversation with some of our incredible leaders here at Woodside, just as we talk about more things that um, I can glean as someone who's in their 20s and things that I know my peers would love to just practice as well from people who um, have looked back on their lives and been like, man, this is something that I wish I could have shared with myself when I was in my 20s. So I'd love to introduce you to some of our guests and then we'll kind of get rolling on what we've got going on. So first to my left is Scott Crosby. Scott serves here at Troy um, and has had a lot of different roles over the years, um, all that he's done very well and have shifted with his passions. And currently, he serves as our one of our associate pastors um, with the Global 100 and with Next Steps um, and just pairing both the local church with the global church. And he's expecting... A sweet little one. Um, yeah, three weeks. Three weeks. Three weeks. Oh the my countdown gosh. Is, is, is here. <laughs> so you are very close to becoming a father. Yes. So yep. congratulations. Thank you. And it's great to be here. Yeah. I'm excited to be talking about my 20s. Uh, it's not too far removed from me. Uh, I'm 35 years old, mm-hmm. so it's going to be a great conversation today. Yeah, we're happy to have you here. It's going to be awesome. And then next to Scott is Beth LaPonzi, who has also served here for many, many years and worn different hats. But currently you serve in adult ministry and you serve our group's ministry at large um, and just make sure that that continues to go and that groups are served well. Yep. And you do an incredible job. Thank you. So thanks for being here. Thanks. And then, of course, we have our fearless and faithful leader, Chris Brooks, um, who needs very little of an introduction. Honestly, I couldn't tell you all that he does because he does so much, but (laughs) I'm just excited to interview and ask more of what you would share with our young people in our community. Well, I think I'm excited to be here. We'll see (laughs) after the interview is over what questions you ask. And I am slightly older than 35. I feel like a 60-year-old, but... um, (laughs) Not quite there. But I I think I'm ready. I think you'll all do great. We can all take a deep breath together and then we can jump in. So good. And here we go. <laughs> so first, uh, something that I thought would be really awesome to talk about is kind of there is a there is a um, a struggle that a lot of people face when they're in their 20s, and that is the desire to get married or feel like they're supposed to get married really quick or that they just can't find someone that they can get along with in that way. And and especially when you're in the church, there can be a lot of people asking you like, hey, are you seeing someone? Are you engaged? When are you getting married? All these things. But if you're single, you can feel like, am I doing something wrong? And, and am I wasting my time? Like, what am I supposed to be doing right now? And I think that one of the big questions is, how do I really utilize my singleness? How do I take advantage of that and actually do things that I wouldn't be able to do if I was in a relationship right now and just kind of really take advantage of the freedom that you have? And Scott, I know that this is something that you've experienced and actually like have a lot of wisdom to share 
um, and stories as well. So I'd love to kind of swing your way first before we, as we get things going. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, I graduated from Michigan State University, uh, obviously at the age of 21 in my 20s, and I was single uh, at the time. And really, for my 20s, I didn't really date too much. Um, so I think the most important thing to me coming out of college was a lot of my friends were stepping in their first career. And like you said, people start talking what's next after that, a relationship, dating, marriage, kids, all of that. And um, really for me, the most important thing was community, was finding some friends, other Christian brothers to hang out with, do life, and just build that foundation of my relationship with Christ surrounded by uh, other people in community. So coming out of college, that's the first thing I looked for. And I actually started attending Woodside and our young adult ministry here and just found those friends that were able to connect uh, me to Christ, to surround each other with that community. Uh, I was living in an apartment with a, with a guy, two-bedroom apartment. I uh, ended up having a couple other of those guys from church move in with us. We had this kind of brotherhood community going on. We made a, a two-bedroom into four of us living together. Uh, we built that loft. It was kind of like living the, the college life a little bit, but we were actually, I was working for HP, you know, kind of in that first career life as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, a lot of kind of pressures or thoughts where, What's next? Are you going to be dating someone? Are you going for a relationship? But, you know, I think in that season, um, the most important thing for me was living for Christ and what he had for me, and that was with other brothers in Christ in community. So just finding that community was so important to me because I saw people and friends that maybe once you start dating, that person can become your world. And so not that it's wrong to be dating in your 20s, but uh, my experience in work God was leading me was to just find those friends that we could uh, disciple other guys, live on mission for Jesus uh, together as a brotherhood. Yeah. And if I could even just ask something further, um, I know there's a lot of people who they desire that, but they, they struggle with like, how do I, how do I still find contentment in the Lord and not, not keep trying to seek that contentment in another person? How did you really continue to just put God first and in that desire to like have that discipleship and that brotherhood and focusing on that? Yeah, I mean, I think a couple of things were, uh, we just had fun together and so life was fun and enjoyable. Um, and I knew as we were serving God, like it wasn't that my eyes weren't open to potentially dating, but it wasn't like on my forefront. It was like in the peripherals, if you will, and serving Christ and living with other brothers and just hanging out was more life. And so I think it was finding joy in friendships, uh, finding joy in community, finding joy in small groups. Uh, I remember we were living in this apartment. We'd have guys from the neighborhood just come over and hang out. And this one guy, Ryan, would always come over, you know, Bible study outside of that and just be hanging. And he'd always eat our food, drink our stuff. <laughs> to Literally, we just had like a Ryan shelf where it was oh like our God. boy Ryan was over, get the two-liter Mountain Dew for him, get him what he needs. <laughs> but we would just have fun together. It was living life, you know, um, just, you know, for God. But it wasn't like bad being single is really enjoyable. And I think friendships was a key part of that. And then just serving God together, having that missional focus to where our lives are super meaningful because we're doing what God is calling us to do together as a brotherhood. Yeah, that's awesome. That, that was really good. And I think something that like a lot of young people just don't think about, you know, they don't think about like the opportunities that you do have to really dive into friendships in a deeper way because you're out of that rhythm of chaotic schoolwork and college and all of that and stepping into a little bit more freedom. So that, I don't know, I think that's really cool. 
Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, it can be easy once you start working your first job out of school to just, you know, it's nine to five and you come home and you kind of make life maybe about yourself and you yeah. start to think what I don't have or what I need. And I think community just always helped me to point me back to my relationship with God and what he was calling me to do and serving him. Um, and so I think as that kind of maybe nine to five life was kicking in, it was like no longer am I in the dorms or with other, you know, just college students all around. It was like, how am I going to live for God here? It was just surround myself with other people and have a community of other friends. And it's funny because just recently now, as you said, I'm expecting, well, more so my wife than me, but we are. Uh, funny how a, that works. <laughs> yeah. In a few weeks, uh, we'll be having our first child. And uh, just last week, I was able to spend time with one of those guys that I've been friends with for over 10 years that I uh, met here at Woodside that just had his first kid. Mm -hmm. And his first kid uh, is six months old. He lives in Detroit. He's a uh, Wayne State football coach. We were able to hang out with him and learn what it's like to be a dad and, yeah. and just glean from him. So those friendships to have to this day are really just, you know, so important to me as I follow Christ. Yeah, that's amazing. And I love what you said of even, you know, now that you have taken that next step and you're married and you're expecting a child that your friendships have continued um, and that need for community isn't gone but you're able to now because you've created such a strong bond with each other um, for so many years that you're continuing to just lean into each other though schedules can look a little bit different there is that continued growth and friendship and dependence on each other so I think that's super cool and leads well into kind of a follow-up question um, and that is as you said, dating itself is not a bad desire to have. And you did get there eventually, and you met your wife, and you got married, and you have a kid. Like, you're about to have a kid. Yeah. Um, and so I think something that we should talk about is kind of the, um, when you do find someone that you want to date, um, and it and it and it's honoring to the Lord, and it, it seems like a good idea to approach, how, how do you do that well? Because here's the thing. When the Bible was canonized, uh, <laughs> dating was not a practice. And so there's not really a how-to. So when, when you are dating, you're kind of like, how do I do this well? So I don't know, um, Chris or Beth or Scott, if you want to speak in this as well, just what advice would you give young people as they're seeking to date but wanting to do it in a responsible and respectful and God-honoring way? Yeah, Beth, you want to go first? I'd love to, actually. <laughs> it's a, it actually is a really, really good question. Um, I think what often we, we find ourselves in this place where we're looking forward to something and we want to do well. We want to do it right, if you will. And uh, I would like to turn it around. And I would say this. If you want to date well, then I would suggest that you work on being well. Because I firmly believe that if you can take care of some major important areas of your life, then as you step out into dating, then you're going to know where you're going. Um, an area, like a few areas I would say would be important. One would be your own walk with Christ. Yep. And I would say, ask yourself, am I growing? Is it stagnant? Am I growing? Um, another area would be your own health. Do you take care of yourself? Do you get rest? Um, do you exercise? Are you taking care of yourself? Um, a couple other areas that come to mind, one would be your job. Are you doing well in your job? Are you working hard? Um, and then maybe the area, even relationships. How are you in just other relationships with other people? And I really feel like if you could take a look at those areas in your own life, and then you step out in the dating space, then what's going to happen is, is because those things are so important to you and they're anchors for you, you will look for them in other people. 
And I think it will save you a lot of confusion and, and heartache from maybe, maybe some not so good choices because I just don't think you'll make them because you'll find people and you will gravitate in relationships and mostly friendships in the beginning that are going to feed those things that are important to you. So I would say if you want to date well, then I would say be well. Be well yourself. So that's a thought I have for that. I like that's really good. That's hard to top. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, when I think about dating and, you know, just kind of remember even from my wife and I, we dated for four years before we got married, I, I think that there's two mistakes people make. On the one hand, taking it too seriously too soon. On the other hand, not taking it seriously enough, right? So you have people who are very flippant about dating and they're kind of just uh, kind of speed dating with everyone, if you will, a lot of short relationships. Um, I think you do need to know, like, what is my purpose in this? What is my intent in this, right? And, um, and I think that knowing your purpose and intent, if you really ultimately see dating as a pathway to marriage, uh, then you shouldn't be flipping about it. It should not be something that you're just randomly doing. On the other hand, I think that we should avoid the pressure to have to get too serious too quick. I think the best thing that we can say if we <clears throat> find ourselves interested in someone is, hey, I would love to get to know you better, right? And, and set the expectation up front that this is just a season of us getting to know one another better. Um, just because we go out to grab coffee together or uh, even go to church together or whatever doesn't mean that we're getting married next week. It just means that we're getting to know one another. So um, I would just say just know, in addition to what Beth said, that, that was great, know, you know, take good care of yourself, but know what your intent is uh, behind it. Um, I may be old school in saying that I think that it's great when a guy you know, is interested in, in, in a young lady that he communicate that, you know. But I don't think it's anything wrong, in particular with what Scott has said about community, that if you're in the same circle, if you're in the same community, just to say, hey, you know, I would love to get to know you better. And, um, and let's do that. I think finally, I know for my wife and I, we were blessed to have a couple of mentor couples that were married while we were dating that were coaching us and were accountability for us and that really helped us to, um, you know, just, just keep out of trouble and to stay healthy through the process. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, about having mentor couples, yeah. inviting people into the process of dating. Because, you know, if you're newly dating or you haven't dated very often, sometimes it's like, how do we do this as a Christian? And so having friends and community that you can bounce things off of, um, keeping everything in the light, if you do make a mistake in dating, it's not just keeping that in, but it's having other people that you can talk about that with, whether it's mentors or friends. A lot of times people think when they start dating, it's now just them and that person that they're dating, but just inviting that community that you're around or those people you look up to to be able to speak into it was really helpful in my relationship too as I was dating as well. Amen. No, those are those are all such good perspectives and points. I think especially just in viewing like my friends and peers and just people that I've known, like something that I've seen a lot is that people will rely on relationships to give them fulfillment. And so they can jump in too quick or it can go too fast or they're trying to fill a need or a void just with a person, just because they like the idea of a relationship, not even because like it's a good partnership or um, because they're doing things well. They're trying to find fulfillment in not a great way. And so I think all of these things speak so well into just maintaining health 
um, and pursuing, just like honoring yourself, honoring the person that you're with and doing it in a way that regardless of how it goes, that it would still be continually honoring to the Lord. Yeah, and I, and I would simply say, you didn't ask this, but I do want to <laughs> throw this in. I think it's also really important for us to know how to end well also. Like if we find that this isn't a person that I think I could see myself being with, like how do I end yeah. this relationship in a way that is not harmful to them, mm-hmm. uh, but also you know very clear where I'm not being disingenuous because a lot of people, because they don't know how to end well, have uh, people with um, um, unrealistic expectations that are not true, and next thing you know, you end up uh, in, a, in a very unhealthy place. So I would recommend one resource, and that's Henry Cloud's Necessary Endings. Uh, in the book, he talks about how to not only end relationships that you know are not what God has called you to, but just how to end uh, seasons or uh, in assignments well. And so it's a really good book for life. But yeah, necessary endings is really important because, you know, we've all had relationships that uh, we thought on the front end, maybe this could be the one. And then we realized this isn't the one. And so a lot of us don't know how to end well. And next thing you know, you're hurt. And if you're in the same friendship group, things get really awkward. Or if you're in the same church, it can become very prob- problematic. So just knowing how to end well is important. Amen. I think that's something that no one really knows how to do well and they don't really know how to ask because it can feel like a mean thing to say, like, how do I how do I break up in a kind way? You know, Um, and I feel like something I always talk about with our female students whenever we talk about boys is just clarity is kindness um, across the board. Like you will provide so much kindness to someone and communicate care to them if you're just clear. Um, And that way, when things do become foggy or unhealthy, you're at least like coming to an understanding of why that is. Um, and you can then begin that process yeah. of ending things well and becoming aware of your own just kind of health within the relationship. Um, and this actually, this this brings up another thing that I'd love to talk about with you guys, um, and that is something that I've noticed a lot within, uh, um, especially this age of social media, is there is such a such a deep need to be like other people and desire to be like other people, and we end up comparing ourselves a lot. Um, you know, Instagram, Facebook, all the things that are trending right now. Like you're comparing yourself to people and you're like, wow, I really wish I was like them or I wish I could make people laugh like they make them laugh or I wish, you know, all these different things and we're never really in a point of being satisfied with ourselves and finding contentment with just who we are and who God has made us to be. Um, But we're trying to portray something that may not actually be true and it's really taking um, a toll just on our mental health. And so I don't know if there's anything that you, especially Beth, since you talked a little bit about just health in ourselves before, but just speaking into how do we fight the comparison trap that is just so inevitable, especially for this specific age group of anyone in their 20s right now. Right. Well, I think you go through the years where you're really young and you don't get to make a lot of your own choices. And then all of a sudden you're in the 16, 17, 18, and you're starting to make more choices and you're supposed to know what you're supposed to do. And you're also in a place where you can, there's so many things coming at you. You do have, you do, especially if you've gone off to school now, you have your own freedoms, you have a lot of influences, and most of them are not that good. And so it really, you can really, really get lost, I think, in trying to just understand what you're supposed to do, not do, where you're supposed to go. You know, it can be very, very confusing. And if you're listening to all the wrong things, it's going to be very challenging. Um, When you talk about that, I take myself back to a point in my life when I was early college, and I just kind of want to wanted to just 
figure out, you know, God, what do you want from me? Like, where do you want me to go? Um, who do I listen to? What do I listen to? What's important? What's not important? And I had a mentor who uh, said to me one day, they said, um, Beth, um, God's will is in God's word. And I thought, well, that's lovely. That's a little short, a little simple for me, but okay. But as I pondered it, I really thought to myself, you know what it is. And I was thinking through, like an example would be um, in the book of Proverbs that talks an awful lot about getting wise counsel. And so I would say that when you talk about pressures and listening to voices that maybe aren't healthy and all the rest, what do you do? And, and, and I would say, make God's word your grounding. If you hear things or people tell you things or you're starting to believe something about yourself, you know, go back to the word. What does it say? Um, as I mentioned, Proverbs, you know, there was, you know, uh, just a, a constant thought to me. You're trying to sort something out, Beth, and go seek counsel because God's told you in his word to do that. So go do it and see what happens. So I would say at that point in time, it was more just trying to figure out my path my pathway in my schooling, but it was very helpful. And then when I did pray an awful lot through it and think an awful lot through it, I had that extra added piece of advice from people I respected who were older than me, who I watched their, their faith walk out in front of me as well. And for me, uh, I felt a lot more confident in things that I had to sort out, but I just tried to make sure that I made God's word my source of truth and not what people would say or what I would read or I would see or things that would influence me. So, Yeah, so I agree with everything that Beth just said. I will say that comparison is not something that only is restricted to your 20s. Like, it's something we struggle with throughout our lives. And it really goes back to our identity being in Christ. When you see that happening within yourself, uh, then you have to make sure that you're willing to, if your you know, right hand offend you, cut off your right hand, if you find that the source of that comparison is social media, maybe the answer is you need to abstain from social media for a season and just have those disciplines in your life. But really, again, so much of it goes back to what Scott said earlier, and that is community and, and transparency. And so having a discipleship relationship, having community, brothers or sisters in your life that you can really be transparent about. Uh, with and say, hey, I am struggling with either insecurities or comparison. But I'll say this is a, just kind of a final thought that um, we often compare ourselves to people at their best, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, and what we do know is that the phenomenon of social media in this culture doesn't, we, we don't post pictures at our worst. We don't post the sad times, only the good times. So I think just realistically knowing that everyone is going through the same struggle same journey, the same difficulties I am. And the older you get, the more you realize that to be true, that even some of the couples that look the happiest on the outside are having deep struggles as well. And so just know that everyone's on the same journey. And I think that that kind of uh, relieves some pressure of feeling like, oh, I want to be like them. Uh, I wish we had what they had. Um, There are no fairy tales. The reality is, is we're all sinners saved by grace. We all need Jesus. We're all broken and looking for uh, his salvation. And so uh, just remind yourself of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like something, like the big, the big things that I'm noticing and picking out from everything that we've kind of covered is the need for community um, and Christ-centered community. And within that community, having someone that you look up to 
um, who's, who's gone ahead of you and kind of done the things that you're going through now. And so that need to rely on people who are older than you and wiser than you, not because of anything that you've done wrong, but just because they've gone before. Um, and then having people to do life with, have that accountability, those brothers and sisters and people to have fun with and make memories with, but also then to, to grind out the hard moments with um, and to lean on when you are struggling. But then also having that self-awareness and contentment with who the Lord has made you to be and understanding that there is great value and, and worth in yourself, but not because of anything that you've done to earn it, but because of literally that Jesus just loves you. Um, and putting your worth and your attention back on him in every moment where you start to question why things are not going maybe the way that you had planned. Um, and so, yeah, I, I thought you guys all brought great points to the table, and this has been such a good discussion on all of these things. I don't know, Scott, if you had any closing points just on um, kind of that need for community or anything like that in regards to what we just talked about. Well, one thought I had, I think especially in regards to comparison, is just that throughout your 20s, and it obviously doesn't end past that, uh, there's so many transitions that you go through. So you start dating this person, break up, or you start dating someone, then you have engagement, marriage, kids, uh, maybe you move, live in one place, another spot, switch jobs. And in those transitions, I think it's often that we can try and compare ourselves with where other people are at. And so to Pastor Chris's point, oftentimes it's people showing their highlights mm -hmm. and then you look at them and you think maybe you're going through some great grieving and loss and you think, you know, I'm going through this struggle, but this person has it all together. And I think to the point of community, it's so important to have someone in your life that you can just talk about those things with. Because if we get on social media, we start looking online, that's where it can become very isolating and we start to compare our negative maybe transition to someone's positive transition. And as you look at the life of Christ, even thinking about how he did discipleship with his disciples and community, I think of at the end uh, of Luke, after Jesus has died, the disciples are walking on the road to Emmaus, they're downcast, they're struggling, yeah. Jesus just died, and in his resurrection, he walks with them and talks with them about what's going on there. And just coming alongside them in that discipleship moment is what we need all through our life, but I think especially in our 20s, as we go through maybe that first big time of suffering, or we do face that transition, we think like myself, I'm in my 30s, but it's like I'm gonna be a dad for the first time, right? <laughs> so as we go through these new things, we need someone to come alongside of us and to help us, otherwise we might just compare ourselves to others in the world, to those around us, and we need that Christ-centered discipleship or community to help us take that next step in life. Amen. Man, we need each other so badly. We need to learn from each other. And what I really love about this conversation is that we've even had the opportunity to have kind of a cross-generational conversation about these things. Because um, so often there is just like a misunderstanding, I feel like, between Gen Z, millennials, boomers, whoever, of like thinking that they're right and then like looking at a younger generation or an older generation being like, man, they don't get it. Like, <laughs> what are they doing? And so what I love about this is we've been able to talk about these things and agree and ultimately be pointed back to just who Jesus is, who does not change, um, and be just encouraged by each other and what we've learned and what we can share. So thank you guys so much for being a part of this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking as a millennial, it's been fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of fun, we have some really fun resources for you that will be attached in the post-credit notes, um, just talking about dating, singleness, contentment in Christ, and just everything that we've talked about here today. And so I hope this has been a helpful conversation for you, um, and I'm just excited for further conversations maybe in the future.
We love you so much, uh, Woodside family, and we hope that you have a great rest of your evening, and we hope that you'll join us again for the next week's episode.